lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Thank you for tuning in here today. Live and on demand, but if we're all being honest here, we're really not that much in demand. Here on Blaze TV radio and podcast, I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre, the birthday boy, so we wish him a happy birthday. And you, of course, are you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the Steve Dace dot com inbox which you can take advantage of by emailing the program steve at stevedace.com d-e-a-c-e is how to spell the last name you can like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve day show but we would prefer that you go to places that don't try to censor us or ban us like me we parlor and gab look for steve dace there or at steve day show on getter and then look for clips of the show that you can watch that are both free and free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Coming up on today's program at the bottom of this hour, we're going to talk to Dr. Vladimir Zelenko about early treatment for COVID and his Z-Stack and what you need to know. We'll get into that here at the bottom of this hour. Next hour, for the Monday Town Hall, we're going to have our own little group discussion and we're going to let you guys listen in. The top story that Aaron will cover in his montage here in a moment. Just it 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 kind of inspired me to just like wow. Literally everything is fake. I mean literally everything is. Literally everything is fake. Everything is a lie. And pretty much as I went back and looked at it, everything the last five years, every everything, every major storyline we've been fed or told that we could not entertain was all based on, on lies. Comprehensively, everything was. And so, why? Why now? What is it about the last five years that, as Todd likes to say, quoting the great prophets at Spinal Tap, the deception got dialed up to 11? Why? And I have a theory, and I'm going to lay it out for you next hour, and I'll let Todd and Aaron either agree, disagree, you know, question, comment, or insult, because if this theory is correct then I think it requires us, and I think if you, I don't know that you're going to hear anything next hour on this show that you, if you listen regularly or watch regularly here on Blaze TV, you have not previously, but you're going to hear it packaged together in a way that you previously have not. And if there is merits to this hypothesis so that it, then we can be, uh, it can be considered a theory, then I think it requires us to just radically change the way that we see what is happening around us politically here in the West. We will get into that in detail in the next hour. But before we do so, we begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by, really this time, Watergate 2.0. A new batch of findings related to the John Durham probe and to the origins of the Trump-Russia collusion narrative has found that the Hillary Clinton campaign paid a law firm to enlist 
a number of hackers who then hacked into Trump's personal and business internet connections and literally planted evidence of covert communications between Trump and a Russian bank. There are no words. Think Watergate, but by a factor of, like, at least five. Robert Mueller was appointed special counsel to investigate the Trump-Russia collusion narrative based largely on two things. One, a phony dossier that had been paid for by a DNC-aligned organization. And two, this mysterious internet communication between the Trump organization and a Russian bank, which we now know, thanks to John Durham, were wholly made up by a law firm hired by the Clinton campaign. Headline at CNN, Joe Rogan's use of the N-word is another January 6th moment. Moving on, saber-rattling continues in Eastern Europe as it appears, based on the narrative being peddled by the system and governments in the West that were on the brink of a war between Ukraine and Russia. As you can see in this video, tanks started... Oh, wait a minute, that's, uh, that's actually Canada, where the regime used heavily armed police to clear a bridge connection between that nation and the United States of the truckers who had blockaded it. Prime Minister Castro announced this morning he is going to be invoking the never-before-used Emergencies Act to squash the remaining blockades and protests. Headline from the Canadian Broadcasting Company, Why the word freedom is such a useful rallying cry for protesters. The word has become common among far-right groups, experts say. Elsewhere across the planet, however, the Canadian truckers have continued to inspire more protesters like this one in Jerusalem, Israel. Australia's capital city was flocked and flooded with with tens of thousands of protesters over the weekend as well. Back at home, here's all the celebrities at yesterday's big game not wearing masks despite Los Angeles's indoor mask mandate. We've got Jay-Z, Matt Damon, Luis Theron is here, LeBron, Jennifer and Ben, Headline at the Washington Post, mask mandates didn't make much of a difference anyway. The CEO of Moderna has deleted his Twitter account. In addition, it was recently revealed Stefan Bancel has sold over $20 million of shares in his own company. And this year alone, he's cashed out hundreds of millions of dollars over the past year and a half. Now, that's not suspicious at all. And finally, a word from President Biden. I'm awake. My fellow geraniums, our nation's in crisis. Joe Brogan has just said the N-word to Snooki Goldberg. No one's watching the Winter Olympics, and I've just been informed the President Minister of Canada, Jesse Trombone, has been killed by trucks. He'll be sorely missed. Not only was he the first black guy Pez Minister, he was a great American, and also a, a great Muslim guy. Our farts and prayers go out to the... Not, not, not our, our farts. Look, look. There's these trucks. They transform. They turn into robots. Well, man, we got to get, get these things running around, honking, honking around, turning into people. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. Uncle Joey is on the case. First, I sent Vice Principal Canola Harelip to the planet of the truck people to open a dialogue with Ostomus Prime. Second... I've asked Congress to increase my dosage of talkie pills. And finally, I've approved emergency funding to distribute free crack pipes to every man, woman, and trans Jenga. Tell us to stay alert for when the truck people... They got maple syrup for blood, man. 
Stupid bastard doesn't even know when Pinko blimps. That's comedian Kyle Dunnigan. He's just hilarious. Checked out his YouTube channel over the weekend, and you should do the same. And that's what happened. Well, we were aware. <laughs> Something tells me, what's his name, Kyle what? Kyle Dunnigan. Kyle Dunnigan better get a Rumble channel here pretty quick, as yep. something tells me. All right. <laughs> You're too good at this over there at the old YouTube, at the, at the regime-sponsored platform. They tend to they tend to cancel you over there. So get get your Rumble account verified now, Kyle. That would be my advice because that that was incredible. I mean, how good that was! Wow. Have you ever been so terrified and thinking something's hilarious at the same time? Because that's pretty damn on the nose, right there. Yes. Yes, yes, it is. Aaron's Montage is brought to you by Omega XL. You know, you got 360 places in your body from the top of your neck down to the bottom of your feet called joints. And these are places that, especially as we get older, inflammation loves to seep in and cause what is called chronic pain. That's that lingering, persistent achiness, stiffness, soreness that just doesn't want to go away. And if you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory to help you deal with that, inflammation look no further than our friends over at omega xl it's backed by going on now a third decade of clinical research and the last couple of years of uh, daily use by yours truly so i can personally attest to its effectiveness and if you want to try it right now you can uh, with a buy one get a second bottle for free offer from omega xl buy one get one free when you visit omegaxl.com slash steve that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or you can give them a call at 800-844-4888, 800-844-4888. So um, in the overtime today, uh, we're going to be joined by our co- by our friend and former colleague, uh, Jordan Schachtel. Uh, we have a poll going on my Twitter account right now about how many of you believe Ukraine is worthy of U.S. military conflict, and we will discuss those numbers and what they mean uh, later today, uh, we'll record it right after the show for you at blazetv.com slash dace. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, that's where you'll be able to go to watch that later at blazetv.com slash dace. And if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and would like to become one, that's also where you can go to make that happen at a discount about 10 bucks a month right now at blazetv.com slash dace. So let's get to the montage. Quickly, let's let's get let's get rid of a couple of these topics right now and spend the rest of our time talking about what has been unearthed with the, essentially a 21st century Watergate over the weekend. Is this is this a conservative media story, or is it a real story that all these celebs showed up at the Super Bowl maskless? despite Los Angeles County's ordinance and the fact that kids have to be masked, right? Do you guys know of any organized pushback within Los Angeles County to stop having their kids being choked out? I, I do not. Do you know of one? I haven't heard of such a thing. Okay. So, I mean, is this a, is this a, a story that we share in our own ecosystem because it, it, it's a bad look for our political opponents or is it an actual story? The former, I think. The former. Yes. See, I, I tend to agree. Now, that's not good. No. But I, I think what the, I think it's the reason why it's the former. It's what I said leading up to the question. The, the people there are okay, by and large, being enslaved. I mean, they, yes. they're okay with it. They want it, you know? 
and um, that that's a community that's essentially been given over. Their hate for the other, which is us, yes. is far more substantial than whatever they Correct. being enslaved means to them. Correct. And it's it's very clear that they're just not all that interested in their own freedom and they're, total, they're totally okay with kneeling before Zod and being plebes to these elites. Well, freedom's now a bad word, as I'm sure you're about to get well, to. Right. But so I, I just... I just wanted to clarify that because mm-hmm. I, I do think somewhere in the conservative media handbook, we were required to address a bunch of Hollywood lefties not wearing masks in front of the country last night while a bunch of kids are still going to be forced to wear masks, right? Certain things, we got to check certain boxes. If we don't address, then like we like lose our union card here in, on the right, okay? But I wanted to know though, is this just an us story or is it a story? And I kind of think because it's California, it's just a us story. And, well, and this isn't any minor distinction. This is important because, you know, we're going to say, oh, we won. Finally, they saw the light. No, please don't tell yourself that. That's we, we may end up getting some level of return uh, to normal. But on the, uh, the winning and losing thing, this is at, at best a, a, a stalemate or a pause button. And then finally, what is the benign, innocent explanation for the CEO of Moderna scrubbing his Twitter account and dumping? a not insignificant portion of his own stock in his company. I'll wait. I'm not trying to pull your pants down, Steve. I'm just going to say this right now. I'm trying to illustrate a larger point. When we do the Dace Group year in a review this year, my enough already is going to be you asking that question, which means you need to what keep asking. What is the benign, asking. innocent question? Yeah, because I'm sick of that. Yeah. It, but, but it's you need to keep asking it because uh, Lord knows there's no shortage of context mm. for that to be asked. I mean, I, he, you know, he could, it could be like he has dementia, right? That's an option. It could mean that the black mirror can always get blacker. That's what it could mean. Indeed. Indeed. And that's the benign innocent explanation. Yes. So then let's get to what clearly is the biggest story over the weekend. And I doubt Aaron will be old enough. What are you today now? 29? 29, yep. Yeah, 29 today. So you might be, a, probably not though. You were probably sheltered from such things because your parents, they loved you. Um, but you and I clearly remember Primary Colors. Do you remember that book? Of course. And then it became a huge Hollywood film. I think it was one of the last major Hollywood film releases that had Larry Hagman in it. Um, John Travolta, when he was at the second... Few people get an apex like what Travolta had in the 70s, uh-huh. and then he got a second one in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you know, uh, his, Taren, Quentin Tarantino re- resurrected his his career via Pulp Fiction. And he became an A-list star again, and he starred in the film adaptation of Primary Colors. And for those that don't remember the book, uh, the original author was anonymous, and there was... We didn't have social media and stuff back then. This would have been in the late night in the uh, in the late nineties, but there was always a ton of speculation. Who actually wrote this book, right? And it was just an absolutely bareback, skin on skin (pun intended, if you know what I'm talking about with the Clintons) um, expose into what it really is like within the inner sanctum the inner political sanctum with the Clintons, with Bill and Hillary. And it's it's meant to be satirical, but you can go through the book and then the movie 
And you can point out, oh yeah, I mean, Larry Hagman's essentially playing Paul Songus. You can point out all of the events that transpired throughout that 92 primary. That's when the story first picks up, all right, is Bill Clinton running for president, trying to resurrect his, what were considered to be failed presidential aspirations because of scandal after scandal. And um, and, and so in the midst of that primary, he's attempting to resurrect him himself as a candidate and the story ends with he's now going to become the presumptive democratic nominee against all odds right and there was so much speculation about who wrote this because it is not a flattering portrayal but it's a damned accurate one right Mm -hmm. and then if i remember right it was a very liberal political reporter and i can't even remember the guy's name but at the Atlantic or a place like that, or the New Yorker yeah, or something. I don't remember either. It was, it was, it was a, he, he eventually opened, he, you know, cop to it. Yeah. I, I wrote the book. If, if you get to the end of the book in the movie, what ends up happening is this, is you realize that this is a descent into an Orwellian cautionary tale. It's just the, this isn't an allegory. This is, these are real people. So we're not talking about barnyard animals here. We're talking about real people. And then essentially this starts out as, we're going to put people first. I feel your pain. That's how it starts out. Okay? So four legs good, two legs bad. Right, old major? That's how it starts. But when we get to the end of the book now, what has happened here is the Clintons have made a series of and just, just a little pinprick as Pink Floyd once said, okay? It starts with just a little triangulation against Jennifer Flowers and against Paula Jones. And then it escalates, okay? They basically blackmail Paul Songus out of the race, who, who, who was considered, you know, a, a, a person of integrity and something was going to come out that points out that, you know, we've all got the, you know, things in our life we're not proud of. Little by little, it escalates. The compromises they make and how they are all justified. And they and and in this story they have a woman and she's played by Kathy um uh, who am I thinking Kathy of? Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Yeah. She's played by Kathy Bates. They have this kind of like lesbian friend who's their political attack dog. And in the movie version she is masterfully played by Kathy Bates because Kathy Bates pretty much masterfully plays everything, all right? And 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 she's the person that does all their oppo stuff. Okay? And so she's digging up all this dirt on all their political opponents and everything for them to clear the deck for them to win. And they all met, you know, at the at, at the Ivy League school at, 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 together in the hippie era, and they're going to change the world. And they all got started working on the McGovern campaign, like the good little hippies they were, and then realized what Nixon was willing to do to win, and they would never stoop to such levels. And little by little, as they grow, as their campaign grows increasingly successful, they make more and more deals with with their own devils. Until finally at the end, they're fully willing, the Clintons are, to fully embrace. And it's John Travolta and Kenneth Branagh's ex-wife who plays Hillary, whose name also escapes me. But um, she's considered a tremendous actress. actress, uh, Emma Thompson, thank you, uh, in her own right, okay? And they're not a couple in any way, shape, or form other than just for power, okay? 
And they, they make the decision at the end. They're going full Nixonian here all the way. And, and this is now where Kathy Bates's character taps out. Okay. Um, she thought what they did to the Paul Songus character was beyond disgusting. It's not what she got in this to do. She thought they were going to do this to the Republicans because they were so bad that they deserved it. But never really thought that they would cross these kinds of line, Faustian lines. And she gives them a test. She gives them the oppo research they want. And if they use it, that that will be her cue to know time to get out. We've we have we are now the pigs walking on our hind legs in the farmer's home. Four legs are good, uh, but now two legs are even better. But she doesn't think they'll take it. She thinks in the end they'll pull back from the brink and remember the good little hippy dippy roots that they all came from. What do you think the Clintons do at the end of the book? They used it. They hell yeah, they used that. And twice on Sunday, brother. You bet they did. It was Joe Klein, by the way. Joe Klein, thank you. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that book or movie in a long time. Because it's been a long time. Because it has been a long time. It's been 20 years or more. And thought about it this weekend when I saw this story. This is the end of Primary Colors. And you know what? For those of us who grew up in that era and remember the, what the Clintons were like, where they would literally support the, the Clintons would call us racists and then support three strikes and you're out and welfare reform that we couldn't get Republicans to have the balls to do. And, and this was what they would do all the time. They would bury their own base, all that they'd sign a defensive marriage act and then make some lesbian woman like the third under cabinet secretary, first gay appointment, and then fly the rainbow flag. This is what it was like. It depends on what the definition of the word is, is, wasn't an outlier. It was the epitaph. It was the, it was the final line of a eulogy. That's who, that's what they were like. Soulless. Soulless. And I figured, and I realized, you know what? Of all the things that just turned out to be absolute lies the last five years, that Christy Blasey Ford cannot even connect the fact she even knew a guy named Brett Kavanaugh, let alone she was raped by him. That there was no evidence of Russian collusion, according to the Mueller report. Everything we've uncovered with COVID, whatever the hell that election was in 2020, okay, where we watch them just board up and, and, and spray paint windows and then count ballots for days on end until they got the numbers they wanted right out of a banana republic, okay? Of all those things that we all went through and were like, wow, never thought I'd live to see the day, right? The one that in hindsight should be the least surprising of them all is that the entire Russian collusion narrative was completely and holistically concocted, according to the prima facie evidence we have now, by Hillary Clinton herself. And then... After decrying Nixon and his plumbers signed up to do our own 21st century version of Nixonian tactics, except that we didn't have the plumbers now, we had the hackers. This now, in hindsight, should be the one that we are the least surprised by. This should be the one that we're just like, 
Oh, like I went and saw Death on the Nile over the weekend. My wife's a big Athica Christie fan. Got to the end and was like, I should have just seen that coming all along. Yeah. This one is just, this one, in fact, is, this is just on brand. This is the most Clinton thing of them all. Husband's out there hanging out on Epstein Island, and she's hiring a brigade of amateur hackers to just concoct an entire, and keep in mind, when this began was in August of 2016. Did anyone in their right mind, including Donald Trump, think they were winning the presidency? He was winning the presidency in August of 2016. No. September of 2016. Right. October of 2016. This is when everybody thought and knew she was going to win. But listen, man. She let that uppity uh, Barack Obama outflank her once. She wasn't going to take any chances this time. She wasn't going to take any chances this time. Because that's the way the Clintons think. This one is the least surprising of them all. And so for about five minutes, I was like, what? Like they literally, this was not just all made up, but they were the ones that made it up. And then I remembered primary colors, Todd, and I thought to myself, this is actually, of all the things we've, we've gone through the last five years, this is the most believable lie of them all. This is who the Clintons have always been. And, and we've known this as a country for decades. Well, can I double down on this? Even though you just said uh, Trump didn't think he could win, would get it. But remember how much he was promoted by the left. Do you think that Hillary Clinton did this to him simply because he happened to be there? Or do you think all along she wanted him to be the guy because she was planning hey, to do this? Remember, it was to Bill him. Clinton that told, uh, encouraged Donald Trump to run. This is my point. You think it goes even further than just now he's here now? They clearly gave him all, and them and their media gave him all that time during the primary because they thought he was a clown show. They thought he'd be the easiest to beat. That's obvious. The the mainstream media during that primary, I think MRC did a study of this and found he got like 60 times more coverage than any other Republican presidential candidate did. Yes. They clearly anticipated that this was some kind of a mark. Now, I think what you're alluding to is, did they have this plan in motion all along correct and that they were going to just dump this on they didn't come up with this in august that the whole point of getting him the nomination was they figured they could come up with all kinds of problematic scandals with somebody that's morally compromised and there would be just enough people that would be willing to instantly believe it because of their questions about his character before they ever presented any evidence yes well that's you know that's a chapter in primary colors todd is what that is yeah crazy crazy voices man now the, the 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 media during you know Nixon's uh, tenure, it was it's fair to say it was still biased, but you could get you know you could get the you could deduce the straight facts. They weren't they weren't peddling alternative universes to us yet like they are now. You can say probably the same thing during the nineties, couldn't you? Um, maybe to a lesser degree than than the time of Nixon. What I don't understand, and maybe. Maybe the the Clinton campaign didn't understand this either. You have a media 
who was willing and ready to concoct to string uh, to, 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 to string along any sort of alternative sky is green universe at, at your whim and command. Why go through all the trouble of hacking into his hacking into his internet connections and and come in and, and, and planting evidence? Why go to the trouble of paying for a, a fake steel dossier? Why go to the trouble of doing all of this stuff that could be traced back to you in due time like it is right now when you could have just had a lunch meeting with some executive over at N- NBC or some executive over at CNN and say, hey, uh, I heard it from a guy who heard it from a guy who heard it from a guy that uh, right. Donald Trump likes golden showers. Can you run with this? Oh, I heard it from a guy who heard it from a guy who heard it from a girl that uh, Trump uh, has some connections with the shady Russian bank. Why not? Why not just go that way? You're right. They're soulless. Maybe they didn't understand the advantage that they had. Why go through this entire trouble to, to, to do things that can be, you know, in due time traced back to you? That's the part I don't fully understand. It's the Obama point that Steve made. I think that's it. Take nothing for chance. Let me throw one last question in there to ponder as we go to break. If you're willing to hack into a presidential candidate's files and a sitting president's files, wouldn't you be willing to hack into an election? Exactly. More in a moment. I think if you're watching or listening to this show, you're pretty aware of the fact that there's pretty much a a full-scale assault right now on freedom of speech and your right to speak it from YouTube to Spotify. Um, You see this throughout big tech. We're going to get more into this next hour and and why the reason before that uh, or the reason for that is. Uh, But this is why when you have opportunities to do business with companies who aren't trying to end your way of life, Take full advantage of it. Now, you won't always have that chance. Unfortunately, we live in a a pluralistic society and we live in an era where a lot of corporate America has decided that they're true believers of the spirit of the age that we're up against. So we won't always have that chance. We still have to live here in a free society. But when the opportunity presents itself, and it does when it comes to your mobile phone, and right now it's pretty much impossible to thrive as an American without one of those. So take advantage of Patriot Mobile. Make the switch like my family did last fall. We had been with T-Mobile for 20 years, thought it was going to be a massive hassle, and they could not have made it more seamless. We even made the decision to upgrade our phones. Maybe you're totally okay with the tech you currently have or you want to upgrade. They will come up with a plan to cater to you any which way they can with a lot of flexibility. And if you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch. They'll give you even more savings as a way of saying thank you for your service. Oh, should also throw in, we've not noticed any difference in our signal strength uh, our our carriage carriage whatsoever because they all use pretty much the same towers. So if you want to make the switch and you're tired of giving your money knowingly to people you know hate you, make the switch right now to America's only real pro-America mobile phone company, Patriot Mobile. You can make the switch right now. Uh, they're offering you a free activation with the offer code Dace, my last name at D E A C E. When you go to PatriotMobile.com/dace. PatriotMobile.com slash Dace or slash Steve, if you prefer. Or you can give him a call at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Well, we have 
tried to give you as many resources as we possibly could over the last couple of years on this show when it came to tackling and treating COVID. One of the pioneers in this field joins us now, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. You've heard us talking about his Z-Stack here on the show in the past. And Dr. Zelenko, it's a pleasure to have you with us. My name is Steve Dace. Brother, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank God. Thank you so much for having me. So let's let's start with what got you. I'm always fascinated when I whether it's you or Pierre Corey or Ryan Cole or uh, Peter McCullough and some of the people that uh, Molly James that me and the audience have gotten to know the last couple of years. What 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 got you, Doctor Zelenko, on the path of sort of challenging the conventional wisdom in the medical establishment when it came to treating COVID and why? Well, in March of 2020, um, I'm a family physician and I practiced medicine in upstate New York for a community of 35,000 people that lived within a square mile, very high population density. And in the first week of March of 2020, COVID arrived and it spread to everyone. And I found myself in the epicenter of the largest outbreak uh, in, in America. And at that point, if you recall, there was no treatment. There was uh, only uh, Tylenol and fluids and send people home. And if they got sicker, they would go to the hospital. Some would end up on a respirator and 80 to 85 percent were dying on a respirator, at least in the New York area. So that was the treatment paradigm. And I didn't think that was very good. And so I was motivated to find something that would mitigate the course of the disease so that people don't need wouldn't need to go to the hospital. And um, with God's help, came up with a uh, treatment approach that uh, was based on the use of zinc and and uh, a mechanism of getting zinc into the cell called zinc ionophores, um, and then an antibiotic. And this was based on the work of others, uh, Dr. Dudier Raoul in France and uh, South Korean work. But the point is that after I started using it, within six to 12 hours, I started noticing people's breathing improving. Now, you know, the first 10, 20 patients um, you know, this is a fluke, it's anecdotal, I didn't even believe it myself. But when I got to around 50, 60 patients, I said to myself, wow, I this, is, this is real, this is something significant. And so I asked my son to help me because I didn't know how to make a YouTube video. I made a video addressed to the President of the United States. And I asked him for help, I said, listen, this is what I'm seeing and I think you should look into this. Uh, next day, 16 hours later, Mark Meadows called me on my cell phone I wouldn't believe it, except that it actually happened to me. And uh, that began my relationship with the Trump administration. A week later, um, Rudy Giuliani called me. I did a podcast with him. Millions of people saw that one. And my life has never been the same since. I want to ask you a question that um, Aaron, my producer, told me about 15 minutes ago. He's tired of me asking because it's an uncomfortable question. Dr. Zelenko, what is the benign, innocent explanation for the medical establishment's denial of effective early treatments against COVID and pretending as if we did not know whatsoever how to treat respiratory uh, inflammation or infections prior to COVID-19? What's the benign, innocent explanation for that? Well, there is no benign explanation. You know, yesterday, the CDC... Uh, two years after this pandemic started, uh, made an announcement that if you are diagnosed with COVID, you should start treatment within the first few days of symptoms. 
Um, that, that has been something that I've publicly been screaming for uh, since March 21st, 2020. And uh, there are thousands of colleagues now who feel the same way and very, very vocally been trying to convince the medical authorities to do so. Um, if you look at the NIH as of today, um, they still recommend not treating COVID unless you're in the hospital uh, with an oxygen level less than 92, which is basically a death sentence. And so um, I do not see any benign explanation. And the reason why I say that is that um, in March 27th of 2020, uh, the ghoul, I call him, ex-Governor Cuomo, who killed 20,000 nursing home residents, uh, issued an executive order blocking pharmacies from dispensing hydroxychloroquine, which is one of the medications I was using as part of my, mech, uh, my protocol. And this is a medication that was FDA approved for 65 years for malaria treatment, malaria prophylaxis, lupus, and rheumatoid arthritis. And we gave it to pregnant women, we gave it to children, nursing mothers, uh, it's been used over a billion times, and some people lived on it for their whole lives at 400 milligrams a day. And all of a sudden, Governor Cuomo issues a executive order that the drug is not allowed to be dispensed uh, if it's prescribed for COVID-19. Um, and so now my patients couldn't, couldn't get it. And I had patients start dying again. Can you imagine that? That there was an effective treatment and the, the governor of the state of New York blocked it, and my patients, I watched my patients die again. And so I was forced to find an alternative, something called quercetin, um, which I found on the NIH server that did the same thing as, as hydroxychloroquine, which is basically get zinc into the cell. And then what I realized was the quercetin was over the counter. And I said to myself, oh my God, I just found the cure to tyranny. Because there's only two reasons why people die from COVID. Number one is the moronic doctor that delays treatment. And then the tyrannical government that obstructs access to, to medicine. And so now I could say, listen, Steve, go to the vitamin shop, get quercetin, get vitamin C, vitamin D and zinc, use it in the right way and you'll be fine. So it was a way to circumvent government tyranny and, and stupid doctors. So I, I don't, there was no rational explanation. I'll give you even more proof of that, that according to the CDC, influenza virus must be treated within the first 48 hours of the onset of symptoms because that's when antiviral drugs work. Mm -hmm. Well, influenza virus is remarkably similar to COVID. They use the same mechanisms of action to replicate. So why was it that in the context of COVID, we were allowing patients to progress to catastrophic lung injury and blood clots before we would in initiate treatment. Listen, we need to understand that COVID is two diseases. In the first week, COVID-19 is a viral disease and no one dies from it at that stage. However, after a week, there's an immune reaction and that immune reaction is catastrophic to lung tissue and, and causes blood clots. So the whole idea is to treat the virus or reduce the viral load within the first week so that the complications never happen. So timing is everything. So any delay in treatment is the cause of the death. 
Dr. Zelenko, can you relay to our audience some of the how many approximately people have you treated since March of 2020, and and what kind of efficacy numbers have you seen? My team, uh, which I've trained directly, uh, we've treated over 7,000 patients. We've had three deaths. Now, statistically, and these are 7,000 positive COVID patients. Now, um, out of those, only one third were considered high risk. So let's say 2,300. And the 2,300 had a 7.5% risk of death. So if you do the math, um, it would be around, uh, let's say 200 patients, we would have expected to die statistically. Mm -hmm. And we had only three. My data, uh, which we published in the internationally renowned peer-reviewed journal, showed an 84% reduction in hospitalization and death if you start treatment in the pre-hospital setting. Subsequently, there have been dozens of other peer-reviewed studies that have corroborated my initial observations. That and It doesn't really matter which protocol you use in reality. It matters when you use it and who you use it with. High-risk patients must be treated immediately. This is what the CDC said yesterday. Uh, must be treated immediately with a combination antiviral, anti-inflammatory approach. And the peer-reviewed data shows an 85% overall reduction in death. What that means is out of 900,000 dead Americans, we could have prevented 760,000 from even going to the hospital. <sighs> Have you altered your treatment approaches based on variant and variant behavior? For example, are you treating differently with a milder version of Omicron than you would have previously with the more virulent Delta? No, and I'll tell you why. Because I all the different variants are the same to me. All the different variants have different shaped spike proteins, and it evades the immune system and... and uh, they can get into the cell, sneak into the cell in different ways. I personally don't care about that. What I care is that when the virus gets into the cell, that it can't make copies, that it can't reproduce. Mm -hmm. can't it can't replicate, yeah. And the mechanism of replication is the same for all the variants. Mm. It's dependent on RNA-dependent RNA polymerase, and we have a mechanism to block that by using zinc. The problem with zinc is it doesn't get into the cell unless you help it. It's like a bullet, but you need a gun to deliver it, basically. And so if you get enough zinc into the cell, you inhibit RNA-dependent RNA polymerase, and you stop the replication of all the variants. Now, I did modify my treatment. You know, medicine is a dynamic thing. It, it, as more information becomes available, it's important to be nimble and be able to incorporate that new information, but the key is to give the patient the best possible care. So over since March, we figured out that ivermectin is a tremendously effective drug. So I started using that in the right context. Steroids, uh, blood thinners, monoclonal antibodies, drugs like Luvox and Colchicine. We have many tools in our arsenal, but what has never changed is early intervention in high-risk patients using an antiviral an anti-inflammatory approach, and that has been shown to reduce death by 85%.
Final thing then, tell our audience about the uh, about Z-Stack. Is this something that you think everybody ought to be taking? If, if, if I'm jabbed, should I be taking it? Can you give us kind of a, a one-minute breakdown of this? Z-Stack was born because of Cuomo's tyranny. Um, I had to come up with an alternative. I open-sourced all that information. The problem was that people couldn't put the puzzle together. They couldn't find all the ingredients. I was asked to put it all in one pill which I did, and that, that's how ZStack came about. Um, ZStack, its main role is in prophylaxis and treatment of low to moderate risk patients. In the higher risk patients, where there's a higher risk of death, I still recommend hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Unfortunately, in many states, you can't get it, so it doesn't help if you can't get it. So in that case, it's better than nothing. So um, the whole key, the whole concept is to get enough intracellular zinc to block the enzyme. And so if someone's high risk, they should be on prophylaxis. And if someone is low to moderate risk, it's really up to them. But if they get sick, we could mitigate the severity and the length of the disease. Uh, They won't die, but at least we can make them feel better quicker. So there's a lot of value to that, in my opinion. ZStackLife.com is the website, I believe, correct? ZStackLife.com. Dot com. Dr. Zelenko, thank you, brother, for stepping in and treating people when a uh, few others uh, were willing to do so. And uh, you're one of the pioneers here. And uh, God bless you, man. Thank you very much. God bless you, Jim. Let, let's, let's just say he's half, he's exaggerated by 50% that he thinks about 700, what do you say, 760,000 deaths could have been preventable? And McCullough thinks it's about 80%, so that's pretty close mm-hmm. to the same number. Okay, Let, let's say they're off by half, and we're and, and just 300,000 people's deaths were preventable. That That's just, a, folks, 60,000 Americans died in the entirety of the Vietnam War. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, even if he's off, you know, by an order of magnitude there, we're talking you could have prevented the casualties of three or four total Vietnams. I just, it's just, this is evil. I don't know what other word to apply to this other than this is just flat out evil. Uh, it's, I was so confident at the beginning when people were losing their minds that I said that 150, 200,000 won't die. This is the part I couldn't count on though. And that they what, wouldn't use all the yes, tools in the toolbox. I yeah. had I had no idea that coming. People are not basically good folks. If you didn't learn, if you learn anything from that outside of medicine, it's that people are not basically good. Amen. We'll come back with our Monday town hall here next. with hour two live and on demand here on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with aaron mcintyre the birthday boy totters and all of you let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing us steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show you can also head over to MeWe parlor gab and get her to look for us there also head to, to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show to get clips of the show to watch. 
that are also uncensored at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And then finally, if you're a podcast listener, thank you so much for being a big part of this audience. Please, if you have yet to do this, leave us a five-star review if you like us. Uh, and then also uh, hit subscribe or follow. Keep doing that. Uh, so many of you have. You're helping our podcast to grow. And we appreciate each and every one of you. And if you've yet to do it, we'd appreciate it if you might do that for us today. Um, if you do this for yourself, you will appreciate me later. Check out our friends over at Built Bar. It is the absolute greatest protein bar of all time. All right. I just delved in to... A chocolate chip cookie dough, still number one. I can't imagine they will ever come up with something better than this. But I appreciate the fact that Bill Bar keeps trying uh, because I appreciate sampling all of those efforts. Loaded with real chocolate and protein, not with car- calories, carbs, and sugars. You'll, you won't believe it tastes this good, and yet it's this good for you, except it's real. And it is spectacular. Use my last name, Dace, as your promo code right now to try all of their phenomenal flavors when you go to Built.com for Built Bar. B-U-I-L-T for Built.com. Use the promo code Dace, D-E-A-C-E, to get 15% off your first or your next or your next next or your keep them coming uh, order. Built.com, promo code Dace. So this hour for our Monday Town Hall, I want us to kind of have a a brainstorming session amongst the three of us, and we'll let the we'll let the audience listen in. I mentioned this last hour with the revelation that not only was there no evidence, and 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 again, given the history of the Clintons, this should have been the easiest one to, in hindsight, to have to have game to have gamed out, right? The idea that they would not only spread something that I mean is it is it the most would it would it shock you knowing Donald Trump's history and think back to five years ago would it shock you maybe not a p-tape but would it shock you that maybe dude did something in a hotel room in in some in some foreign country that someone might try to use against him in a later no. day that wouldn't shock you right no. okay and so this gets blown out of proportion. You've got your media allies and everybody else is trying to help you win the election. You can, and, and so this just goes from rumor mongering it, it, and it just spirals out of control and you're used to not being held accountable for anything. And so, you know, it's not a lie if you believe it, Mr. Costanza, right? right. I, I guess I kind of thought that was probably, once, once the Mueller pro proved there was no evidence of this, I, I guess I... In my mind, I guess I kind of considered that that's likely what the origin of this was. Just a conspiracy or whether it's intentional or otherwise of a lot of like-minded elitists slash institutions that were just trying to stop this cat and really his base from getting into the White House at all costs and then trying to topple him at all costs. And this was largely driven by exaggeration via zealotry. It never even dawned on me to consider that they planted the story themselves from whole cloth. Just part of the reason why is if you were smart enough to do something like this, go to Wisconsin once, right? I mean, they were smart enough to do this. They weren't smart enough to hold one damn campaign stop in Wisconsin. They weren't smart enough to do that, you know? So when the story came out over the weekend from, from the Durham probe, that there's at least prima facie evidence that the Clintons 
conjured this up and even hired hackers like the plumbers in Watergate. Okay, except they weren't planting evidence, guys. They were, you know, they were attempting to, um, they were practicing industrial espionage, espionage, basically. They were trying to spy on what was going on within the DNC headquarters at that hotel. The Clintons, they took this next level, brother. Forget we're just going to spy on the Trumps. We're going to plant evidence. We're going to use hackers to plant evidence that then our intelligence community buddies are spying on and then they'll get the evidence we planted and voila, this is full-blown treason, guys. I mean, full-blown treason. We're beyond locker up. We have hung people for this in our nation's history. This is full-blown treason. Full-scale. And in hindsight, though... uh, this one I should have seen coming. I don't blame myself for not for thinking Christine Blasey Ford's not really going to get up there in front of the entire country and produce no evidence that she even knows this Brett Kavanaugh guy. Is she really? She's not really going to do that, right? Yeah, she. In fact, she's she's going to do that. That's exactly what she's going to do. They're not really going to spend two years on Russian collusion. then have the probe come back without any evidence of it. There's got to be something there, right? No, I mean, that's... It's pretty much what we're going to do. Just like you heard from Dr. Zelenko, we're pretty much going to kill hundreds of thousands of people we didn't have to. But this one, having grown up in the Clinton era, remembering it well, having read the book Primary Colors, having seen the movie numerous times, this is the one I should have seen coming. That's a very easy answer for why you didn't, though. What is it? Cruz versus Trump. Coming off of that hangover. And, oh, you and mean there's I, never I, Trump, and you're like, of course this guy's shady. We, I just got done trying to beat him. I, mean, I, I did. I did literally watch the Trump campaign. Yeah. Take its. Who was the gal? Who was their spokeswoman? You know what I'm talking about? Billy McEnany. No, Katrina oh. Pearson. Oh yeah. The original one. Okay. Yeah. I did. I, I in my, if you want to defend me on that level, I will take your defense because I, I did watch the Trump campaign take Katrina Pearson, its more its most vocal spokeswoman during that primary, and try to get their National Enquirer, uh, yeah, acolytes to smear her for as having an affair with Ted Cruz at the same time that she is on TV defending Donald Trump, right? Yeah. So, in fairness, if you want to say that I that. And a bias born out of experience yeah. <laughs> might have caused me to hit the pause button we for a little. Yeah. Okay, then that's fair. Okay, but when when it when when this came out over the weekend, it caused me to just wow. We need to take a step back here. We need to take a step back here, and and assess the fact that everything we've been told for the last five years on every major story, is a lie. Biggest major story. Who's George Floyd, really? Who's Hunter Biden? Ukraine. Ukrainian Ukrainian impeachment. Russian collusion. Everything's been a lie. Why? Why, why has the tempo of deceit why did it just suddenly in the last five years go from we're at cruising altitudes 
we're all comfortably numb here, right? To now just pedal to the metal, Captain Caveman here, head first, all right? Throwing caution to the wind. How did this happen and why? You know what? What's so amazing about this and what I'm about to watch with my own eyes is that you are the guy who wrote that book. And it's now being turned into a movie. A nefarious plot you're yes. pointing out, yeah. So you understand the thing that took us to this point as much as anybody else right. in popular, conservative, Christian culture. I really, pound for pound, I put you up against anybody. But as we talked about before, it's one thing to intellectually know it. Even your, all of your spiritual ascents and aspirations to biblical understanding, once you start living it in real time... You, you you can never be fully prepared no. to what a yo moment that is. And that's what's happening right now. You are living in the middle of what you projected intellectually and spiritually by writing that book. But now we're there. Because often prematurely projecting those outcomes leads to some of the worst moments from a, from our from our belief system standpoint. That so to me, I'm I'm extremely hesitant about saying, okay, all right, you know. We've 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 opened this the, yeah. the fifth seal here, Demi Moore, or the seventh sign. You okay? can't be too cynical. Yeah, I, 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 I just want to make sure. Now I'm pretty confident that yeah. we're there, and as a result, I think we need to completely assess things differently. So let me lay out my case for what that may look like, and then we'll discuss, we'll spend the rest of the hour discussing it. Okay. So what's happened over the last five years? is whatever you want to call them, the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, the Spirit of the Age, whatever euphemism, nomenclature you have for the global cabal crowd, what's happened is they hit hyperdrive, or shall we say warp speed, uh, over the last five years. And they, I think they did so after Brexit and then Trump, which both occurred in 2016 in just a matter of months. And I think until those moments, they were kind of content with the whole frog in the boiling water analogy, where if you just leave the frog in the water and turn the heat up just a little by little, the frog doesn't jump out because the body gets accustomed to the new environment and habitat. It's the new normal, if you will, right? Um, and, and I think seeing people defy them electorally en masse is what has driven literally everything we have seen. For the last five years now to be a lie. I don't think it's because they hate or fear Nigel Farage or Donald Trump. Uh, I, I think it's they fear and hate whom these whom individuals like this represent. You. I mean, this is this is why they treated Trump a billionaire they did tons of business with who was a global celebrity with instant disdain once he ran for office campaigning to represent you. You know, I've been, I haven't told you guys this. So for the last few nights, late at night when I get bored, I've been going through some of the archives on Comedy Central on YouTube. And I've been doing it because of all the talk about censoring Rogan and Chappelle and everything that's gone on. It was Chappelle last year, it's Rogan this year. And I'm, and you know, I'm kind of aware, it's, it's been a long time since I've watched Chappelle regularly. And I did not even know Rogan was a stand-up comedian until like two weeks ago. I just knew him from Fear Factor and a pod and a podcast. So I'm I'm not big on I don't know a lot about, you know, who the modern comedians and stuff were. So I've been going through Comedy Central's archives on YouTube late at night. And one of the reasons why is because 
It's a lot of stuff I don't want my kids to hear, even though they're all teenagers and older now. But one of the things I encountered is that in 2011, so Comedy Central has a whole series of roasts, celebrity roasts, mm -hmm. and they're not as good as the Dean. They're not. They're not quite the Dean Martin celebrity roast that I bought off the that my no. I, I bought off the Time Life uh, infomercial once. Okay, these are yikes. Okay, and you, you know I'm hardly a shrinking violet, and even I'm, you know, like fast forwarding through things. Okay, one of the roasts that they conducted was of Donald Trump. In this roast, Seth MacFarlane says, I am confident you're going to be the man to lead this country one day. He says it in the roast. Then turns it into a joke about it. He was really talking about Mark Zuckerberg. But th they, they choose people they like, okay? And then they just tear them apart. It's considered, I mean, some of the other people they have put up there, Justin Bieber, Alec Baldwin, I mean, a lot of major stars, and Donald Trump, and Snoop Dogg's hanging out, and all kinds of people that are famous still now. All that changed is, in many respects, Trump's still kind of the same crass, profligate, hedonistic billionaire that he was back then he's just now interested in representing your interest on some level and so therefore he now, now might as well just change his name to John Birch while he's at it because you regular people who just want to live your lives in a little less unfair world you are their enemy thus so will be anybody or anything that you support or anoint as your proxy, as your representative. And they have shown, especially in the last 23 months with COVID, that they believe they can do absolutely anything to put you down, even if it means killing hundreds of thousands of people by denying effective and inexpensive early treatments to the worst pandemic in 100 years. And, and here's why. National politics and elections get in the way of their transnational schemes. Which really means that you can get in their way. And take it from me, man, who's covered and been involved in a lot of elections. All of the money and influence in the world cannot stop a mobilized and informed huddled masses within a democratic process, meaning you get to vote. Canadian truckers are a form of Ab that right absolutely. now. Absolutely. We were way outspent by the pro-judge crowd here in Iowa 10 years ago when we made history here. Way outspent. Way outspent. Now, this is also why, so that little phrase there, mobilized and informed huddled masses. Informed huddled masses. Informed. Underline that. Informed huddled masses. This tells us why big tech censorship is coming down hard on anything that might inform you counter to their narrative. A Bernie Sanders guy who promotes pot as a food group is now their biggest target. Joe Rogan might as well change his name to Donald Trump. We just spoke last hour with Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. So what happened in 2020 is Snopes came out 
and tried to debunk Zelenko saying, well, he's never published any of his data. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So he went and published his data in one of the most prestigious um, journals of microbiology. Have we had any follow-ups or anything from Snopes or anybody? No, suddenly no, they know what a Vladimir Zelenko is, but they did ban him from Twitter for claiming that he was spamming people by trying to get them to take his Z-Stack uh, vitamin compound. In other words, medicine. So they, did, they just, they tried to claim that he wasn't publishing his findings. So he said, okay, I'll publish my findings in a peer-reviewed publication. And then once he did that, they just banned him because, well, you're you're spamming people with uh, with sales ads. Do you know how many hookers peddle their wares on Twitter every single day? I'm sorry, uh, escorts. It's plentiful. It's medicine, guys. He's trying to get you to get a medicine during a pandemic, but that's now now he's a spammer, and so he has to be banned. They can't allow you to be informed. Now, I didn't say catechized, indoctrinated, inculcated. I don't know that everything Vladimir Selenko says is the truth. I don't know that everything I say every day is the truth. I'm striving to do so, but I'm not the truth. I'm human. But, I, but one thing we, people, we do do is inform you. It doesn't mean we're always telling you what's right. But they can't risk you being informed by something beyond themselves because when you are, that's why when you create trucker convoy groups on Facebook, they shut them down. Anything that might inform you to be mobilized into action counter to their narrative must be silenced. Because an informed populace within a democratic, small d, process can absolutely destroy and uproot their transnational global schemes. You proved that in 2016 twice. And we sat around here and thought, are these people paying attention? Oh, wrapped attention. You got their full attention, in fact. So Rogan, at this point, might as well change his name to Trump, despite being a pot-smoking Bernie Sanders guy, all for the sin of daring to think for himself and helping you to do the same for yourself. Because the lines are clearly drawn now. It's no longer ideological as much as authoritarian. Now, it is true, because leftism tilts towards identifying with collectivization and centralized power structures. That they are going to, those with that bent are going to be more inclined to fall, pray, P-R-E-Y, into this net, into this nexus of authoritarianism. But as we've seen with several names, it's not, it's not uniform though either. No. But you, but, but, but in our time, and by the way, has, has, in, in other times in history, has this authoritarian nexus come from the right in a political uh, of the political spectrum in a culture? Yes, it has. But in our day and age, because the way that the way that right and left was previously defined and the fault lines were previously drawn prior to this these last five years, it will be your left leaning family and friends and, and associates who will who will be more inclined to immediately sign up for this 
because they are conditioned to accept certain the the institutions where this comes from as their institutions similar to how i spent years of my career apologizing for what i now recognize is the worst foreign policy decision we ever have made as a country the invasion of iraq and i started out my career mocking cindy sheehan as a political tool because that's what was going on at the time. The, the mom of the soldier who died in Iraq, who spent, went around the country trolling George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. I mocked her as a troll and as a traitor. Now I kind of wonder if I owe her an apology. Why? Because what, what's traditionally our institutions? The Americana ones, the military, the cops, right? You would have been a you would have been a thin blue line, man. Cops are universally right and wrong until you ran into one in downtown Des Moines one day who tried to arrest you for nothing and basically ruin your life, right? Correct. This see whatever institutions you considered aligned with your side of the original political polarization, you're always going to be willing to give more of a benefit of the doubt to. And since they are on the left more aligned with the institutions that the authoritarianism comes from these days, that's why they'll be more likely to fall into this net. However, some of you also know that it can happen to people with ours after the name too, like those of you that had to live under Mike DeWine in 2020, right? Right. Right. So here's the goal. The lines are clearly drawn here. But these are different lines. It is no longer ideological as much as it is authoritarian. The desire here is to turn Western civilization back into a pre-World War I view of the world. But this time with America included. See, the last time America was permitted to abstain. Because the last time it did and became the greatest superpower built on meritocracy in all of human history. And a people with that kind of prosperity... They'll fight each other over who gets it. We've done that pretty good for the last hundred years. Yes. But you sure as hell ain't giving it away to anybody else, right? No, 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 no. That's our stuff. Like we're killing each other to get a hold of the treasury so we can print the money for our interests. We're not here to help you. (laughs) You don't get to come and you don't get to come and take our money from us. We will kill each other for those greenbacks. But you threaten our prosperity. Suddenly we all unite together to say, no, 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 no. In other words, you can say, I can say whatever I want about my brother or my mama, but you don't get to say anything. Okay. So this time America must join the 21st century Habsburgs too, if you get the historical analogy that I'm making here. All right. And there can be no outliers. America was an outlier, a control group, a holdout of this sort of global factionalism pre-World War I. And look what happened. A nation founded on a creed, not an aristocracy. Exactly. They can't permit that again. Okay. And that's why you've seen no outliers and control groups or holdouts with COVID stand permitted the last 23 months either. Anything or anybody that desires their own ambitions, such as brutal dictators like Putin or individual freedom, such as regular people like you the world over, you now stand in the way of their utopian schemes. Now, that does not mean that Vladimir Putin is a good guy. He is not. But Putin versus the great reset crowd is the Marxist versus Mussolini in Italy. Uh, There's only bad guys here or uh, Syrian freedom fighters, Al Qaeda versus Assad in Syria. No good guys. Nobody worth dying for there. In fact, 
give weapons to both sides and hope they blow each other up. The world will be safer. No good guys there. Okay. Um, so you need to understand that this requires for us to have a more nuanced view of the world now. The old fault lines do not apply. Let me give you an example. America's early robber barons and tycoons were a big reason why we did our own thing a century ago and didn't sign up for foreign entanglements. But they weren't necessarily, at least all of them, driven by patriotism as much as materialism. They wanted all the money for themselves. This time, though, our robber barons and tycoons are true Great Reset believers. This is why you see corporate America, by and large, funding and moving us towards this new Habsburg dynasty this time around. It's more than greed, and they often act counter to their bottom line. They believe in their cause. I mean, look what's going on with Amazon right now and the new Lord of the Rings. I have no idea if this thing's been wokeified or not, but, but a group of people start pushing it back against them. Instead of coming up with like a counter-marketing campaign to show you this is still the same heroic story you've always loved... They go to Vanity Fair, Amazon does, which is the lead trade publication in Hollywood, and attack their own customers. How many times have we seen them do have we seen businesses do things that are like, that's not good for your bottom line? Why would you just need why would you purposefully alienate customers like that? Because you're not customers now. You're enemies. That's why. So here's here's the cause that this is for, that they believe in. They're better, they're smarter. And more powerful than you. And the sooner you see that, the better off you will be. From We are going to go from e pluribus unum to kneel before Zod. And after all, plebe, it's of course for your own good. This is the California conversation we had last hour. So like we're all worked up that California kids in LA are going to school triple mass today. While the celebrities were at the Super Bowl there, their parents don't seem to mind though, do they? They dropped them all no. off. They don't seem to care. doesn't seem to matter if it's South Central LA or if it's, you know, the, 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 the swankier areas of town. Totally fine. Yeah. Choke my kid out. I'm cool. And oh, dude, could I, could I, I wish I was at the game last night so I could have gotten an autograph from LeBron. They don't seem to care. They're good with it, man. They're down to be plebes. They, they enjoy it. So here we are. Finally, we need to understand that anything which places value on the individual is an enemy of these fascists. It is anathema to them. This is why you're seeing Christian conservatives now, ironically and affirmatively, citing atheist liberal Bill Maher's commentary these days. I'm going to explain why here right now. Both of these camps emphasize the individual, albeit dramatically different. Now, Marr is an avowed libertine, but even hedonists emphasize individual liberty. In fact, they take it to what we as Christians would describe as a destructive conclusion. It's not tethered to anything. It's not filtered by anything other than the pleasure I want. You may have heard one named Benjamin Franklin, by the way. Yes, Now, here's how Christianity views individualism. Christianity says God seeks relationship with you. To that end, God God sent his son for you. That if you were the only sinner on earth, God still would have sent his son for you. That you are made in God's image and therefore all of you are conceived with inherent worth and dignity. And contentment in life therefore comes from you choosing to live for him and not just pleasure. Now, that's a different form of individualism, dramatically different than what libertines like Marr are advocating. But what Christians and libertines at least have argued over for centuries is the limits of individual autonomy. Can I do that which God says is wrong? Should I? Is there even a God at all? But both agree with the premise 
of individual autonomy's existence. Now, we're up against a break here. That's a good place to pause as we come back and we'll close it out. So then, if there is no individual autonomy, if the argument that has driven Western civilization for centuries, somewhere between Calvin and Pelagius, and Mar would clearly be a Pelagian, right? Mm -hmm. So somewhere between Calvin and Pelagius about the nature of man and how much, therefore, he is permitted to exercise his individual autonomy. That has sort of been the core moral argument in the the history of Western civilization, right? Yes. But we have a new argument now. And I'll quantify that for you when we come back. Trying to sell your home or buy a new one in any market environment can be challenging, but especially in these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. Uh, you know you need to go in uh, with an agent, a real estate agent that you can trust. And these are not always easy to find. No real estate agency, for example, ranks their agents for you or says, oh, man, no, that guy's holding on to his job by a thread. Don't Don't go to there. Don't go to him. Nobody does that, right? And then you find out until it's too late that whoever you hired can't get you the results that they promised you. Uh, Skip that whole uh, trouble, please. And just go to this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's a company started by Glenn Beck and his associates because, well, they ran into real estate agents they couldn't trust. They didn't want that to happen to you. So they have this nationwide referral service now. Just about anywhere you want to move to or from, they can help you find a real estate agent you can trust at the name that kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. So we're kind of resetting the board this hour. How the last five years, every major story has been a lie. Everything's been a lie. Not biased. Most of our lifetimes, if you're Gen X or younger, like all three of us are, every major story has been biased. No, we're we're skipping past bias now. The, the, the ground is bad. It's not just the slant on it is a lie, potentially, because sometimes your bias is right. The information itself, the story itself, the narrative itself is a lie. And we're laying out what that means because of what it's motivated by. How that changes the political dynamic in the West considerably. How the political dynamic and fault lines in the West post-World War I and through post-World War II, through post-fall of the Soviet Union, pretty much broke down into the age-old debate of centuries ago about human nature. Somewhere between Calvin and Pelagius. And the more left-wing you were, you tended to have a view that was a little bit more Pelagian, or a lot more. And the more right-wing you were, you tended to have a little bit more of a view that was a little more Calvinistic. Even if you didn't agree with Calvin's theology, or you couldn't even itemize it, you at least accepted some of his notions of human nature. And that this has been the core philosophical, moral, ethical debate in Western civilization 
post-Dark Ages, post-Protestant Reformation, since essentially Western civilization was rebooted after the Middle and Dark Ages. And we just carried that over into our political parties. Once we went from aristocracies into democracies, those same debates just kind of carried over. And those were the political fault lines for centuries. And you're watching it change right now. Because there's a new fault line now. And this new fault line doesn't want individual autonomy debated at all. That's really what the Pelagiast to Calvinist argument is. How far can an individual go to exercise his autonomy? Is it accountable to anything, anybody else beyond himself? What would that be? How would we know? There's a new argument now. Because we have new fascists now. And they want this entire debate bypassed. For they are now the new gods. They will now inform and form your conscience now. They will form it and inform it. If you don't mind. And they don't mind if you do. Because they have the power. So you will comply or else. That's the debate. That's the debate now. That's it. That's the whole debate now. And that 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 means that Western politics is about to have some really strange bedfellows. You know, like Naomi Wolf and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. doing podcasts with Steve Bannon. Weird. It's going to get weird. Like really weird now. And you're going to be like, why am I back to back? Fending off marauders with this cat over here who was the marauder 10 minutes ago. How did, how did we get here? What, what, what happened here? That's what it's going to look like. It's already starting to look like that. All right. I've talked enough. Questions, comments, insults. Gentlemen, the floor is now yours. Well, looking at the rundown today, I had no idea that the conversation with Dr. Zelenko would dovetail very nicely with this conversation. And I'll try to keep my thoughts as brief as possible so Todd has uh, time for some exposition. But if you look at this coalition which you're describing, Steve, and if you look at it as a pie chart... What's going to be really difficult for a lot of folks to contend with, and that's okay to a certain point, is that the slice of that pie that's made up by believers of, of the one true God is not, is not super big. It really isn't. At least I don't think it is. I think we're going to be sharing this pie with a lot of people who believe in a lot of other small G gods or don't believe in one at all, but also don't believe that you should be made to do this, that, or um, any, any whim of, uh, of the progressive globalist. Because I think what we've seen here prior to 2016, the progressives believed, and you would have a hard time saying that they were wrong, that Capital D democracy 
was okay. Yes, there will be dissent, but we control the levers of culture and media. And so we can sway the masses our way. It might take a little bit longer. It might be a little sloppier than we want to, but we can sway the masses the way we want to. We will allow dissent, but at the end of the day, we get what we want. And then 2016 came along, and they discovered we can't take any chances on democracy, capital D or small d. And so what you've seen take place over the last five years, I have an analogy that I'm, I, I would like to use, but I think it's uh, a little bit uh, rated PG-13, so I can't say it on the... They have consummated their identity. They have shown you who they are. Now, they will continue to lie. But what this means is that there is no more, no more frog in the boiling pot. There's no, no more of that. At least they're not trying. If, if it's the frog in the boiling pot, it's on you and me now, not seeing what's really going on. It also means this is a zero-sum game. As you pointed out, Steve, there's no longer going to be any, any form of persuasion. That's not going to be allowed. You will be given the veneer of it. That's not going to be allowed. You will comply or else. You cannot share a society, a civilization with that. So as we've said numerous times, it's a zero-sum game. Now, if we, and I'm talking about everybody in that pie that I talked about, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you can work together on some things and still disagree with great vigor on a whole heap of, of other things as well. But I think it's time... Um, I think it's time that we have to contend with the fact that the Bill Mars of the world, those guys hate my guts, and I, I think the, the, the stuff he, he, uh, he, he advocates for, a lot of the stuff, makes my stomach turn. But he doesn't want to kill me. Take that bargain. I would take that bargain any day versus what we're up against. I, I think those are the, the, those are the times in which we live where uh, we're going to have to kind of bite the bullet here and get along with some people who we would, um, quite frankly, rather not get along with. What do you think, Todd? It's amazing. Uh, You've heard me rip on Star Wars so much, but ultimately it is amazing how much, even though he, he didn't try to get it right, but how much Lucas did end up getting right. That new trilogy... The hilarious irony notwithstanding of what Lot Dodd and Newt Gunray and all that stuff. The prequel trilogy. The prequel yeah. trilogy. But my goodness, it is it is what what the reset. Emergency powers, yes. this is how Liberty dies, oh, yeah. the thunderous applause. It's yeah. absolutely everything that Steve just laid out. And then 2016. 2016 is a little spark called A New Hope. That the enemy uh, ultimately did recognize as being the danger zone. And that new hope is not really about a return of the Jedi. It's about this dude named Han Solo, who's just a libertine. This swashbuckling pilot, what's in it for me? I ain't, I'm, in, I'm in this for the reward, sister. All that stuff. But in 2016, with Brexit and the election of Trump, that guy's waking up. 
And he sees in order to me, for me to be as selfish as I want to be, I actually have to be a little less selfish. I've got to be aware of the game, the playing field, and how much it's going to change if I don't become a part of it. And then in the second, I remember being as a kid, and I know Steve remembers it. He's that swashbuckling pirate. He comes in to save the day at the end. And at the beginning of Empire Strike Back, he's what, Commander Solo? Mm-hmm. And then in the third one, he's General Solo? Mm-hmm. He didn't wake up in the morning in Star Wars aspiring to be a military commander of the people, but he did ultimately, increasingly, what must be done. And that's uh, what the Great Reset crowd, this aristocracy uh, reset that Steve is talking about, is really afraid of. That person, not, what, not becoming pure, not becoming a Jedi... Maybe not even finding uh, religion as we would see fit, but understanding that there is a battle at hand and I must take a side. And the more people that do that, that do that, that's the st- premise Steve said at the very beginning, they know they can't manage, man- manage that. If it's aware, if it's awake, it can't be done. Because increasingly these people not only go from uh, swashbuckling pirate to commander to general, we got the new trilogy, as bad as that thing was, that guy's a flat-out Old Testament prophet by the end. He's like, it's true, all of it. We are battling for definitions of reality itself. And they realized, he couldn't be more right, at 2016, and none of us knew it at the time, they knew something the enemy, because it's always playing for the biggest stakes, they knew something cosmic was at hand. We've got to acknowledge that. Otherwise, they win. At the very least, acknowledge that playing field. And you don't just get to be swashbuckling pirate anymore. Even Bill Maher knows that. He, he's realized he's got to be a commander in this on some level. And to some extent, he always did. He's invited Steve on his show. It's been a while. But he was always willing to have that conversation. But now he's even upping the ante. What will you do? I, I think we have to... How do we navigate these times? And to me, I, I think truth is at a higher premium than ever before. We cannot just form strident coalitions with people like Mar. Because the very next episode, he's going to turn around and promote some of the exact same scam narratives from the exact same people that his own personal ideological biases don't allow him to Mm -hmm. contemplate or see through yet. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think he's been red-pilled at all. I, I think that he's run into something he never, that his ego thought his side would never embrace, which is insanity. And over here, we're like, oh, dude, they embraced that quite a long time ago. Okay. So the temptation to form our own alternative all-in coalition for opposite them, I I don't think we can succumb to that temptation because we're going to have to, at times, align with people who are, we we just can't possibly, and and, and, and ideologies, we can't possibly be all-in with. We, we, we just We just can't. Okay. 
So to me, the antidote to that is we go wherever the truth is. That, that wherever it is at that time, that's where we are. And then by, and, and then by, we hope by a consistent willingness to follow the truth, not our truth, the truth, by a consistent willingness to follow the truth, then maybe some of those people that right now still get, get it, maybe now on, on one or two issues that are beyond the pale to them, we can now have some credibility to get them to see it more comprehensively beyond those one or two obvious issues that we're seeing right now, for example, with COVID. Thoughts on that? Yeah, you, we aren't, no one's been red-pilled in terms of an ultimate destination, but they have been red-pilled uh, in terms of being on a road to Damascus. I mean, they're on, I a, agree. they're on a path. They're on a journey. And they're going to be challenged now, just like I said last hour. I don't know if they, I guess now I need to think about if, if they hacked into the computers to plant evidence against a president, why wouldn't they try to right. hack into an, an election yeah. that is being conducted with online servers at the exact same time? I, I think... Yeah, Paul lost his sight, and then he started asking some questions. Yes, yes. I think, you know, here's a question if I'm Bill Maher, who showed my who showed his six-row flowchart when he tried to solarize, solar energy his house. Yeah. Hey, brother, the same people that lied to you about all this COVID science over the last 23 months, how do you know they weren't lying to you about climate science the previous 23 years? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, when you start, when you start asking yourself those kinds of questions, that's now when you have been red-pilled, okay? But at least some folks have taken their first steps, Obi-Wan, on a larger path, all right? And I think that needs to be nurtured, but let's not be naive at the same time, Okay. So wherever the truth is, that's where we are, even if it has some really strange bedfellows in this era in which we live. Sounds like what a church is kind of supposed to be, doesn't it? You could say, maybe. That'll do it for today. We're back editing tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.